0: welcome back to the jet press podcast my name is justin free and i'm joined as always by my man mike luciano mike how are you doing today buddy what's going on how do you think i feel i feel great you know why mike because trevor simeon is my goddamn quarterback
1: <laughs> J- justin we go back a little bit we're like brothers right that is the saddest thing i've ever heard
0: <laughs> i i'm all in on the trevor simeon bandwagon i am the the president of the trevor simeon fan club i'm excited for trevor time
1: <laughs> blink twice if trevor simeon's holding you at gunpoint
0: justin i'm gonna close my eyes so i can't blink <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jeez, but man we got a full pack show for you today we're talking trevor simeon we're talking jets chiefs the trouncing in front of america's sweetheart that is going to happen in front of the masses on sunday night football we're going to Preview that we're gonna talk about an 80-year-old man who really had a bone to pick with the New York Jets, Joe Namath, coming out and all piss and vinegar getting really angry about the Jets. But I have a message, Justin. Oh my like friend it. over at DraftKings. Yes, Ooh, sir. You tell I I will tell, thank you, because DraftKings, Jets fans, DraftKings is up their sign up offer to kick off for the football season. New users can place a five dollar first bet and instantly claim two hundred bucks in bonus bets plus up to 150 back in bonus bets if your team loses which the jets might this weekend probably will <laughs> all you have to do is sign up with the code fs bets that is fsbets and not only gets you these great bonuses but it directly supports the show so thank you guys if that's how you want to support it if you've been considering signing up for draftkings make sure to use the code fs bets to maximize your bets This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts, we are there. Make sure to download, make sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on YouTube and TikTok at The Jet Press for both. We have really been growing a little bit and actually before we get in i did talk to justin about this earlier uh we're at around a little over 350 on youtube i'm sure some of you've seen that sauce gardener sandwich going around where he had it was like a honey bun with turkey and sausage and cheese and cheetos and it look you crap your pants if you took one bite of that thing if we, we double our subscribers and we get to 700 i will eat that sandwich so that is your that is your key to subscribe on YouTube at the Jet Press and to just support two Jets fans who love talking about the Jets and all the crap they throw in our face. At least, finally, after a very chaotic week and one of the worst press conferences I've ever seen from Robert Sala, who said, everybody's got to be better except Zach Wilson. The box score is not an indicator of how he played. I agree it was probably said he played better than he did. And basically tried to deflect and say, you know what? Zach Wilson's not playing that bad, which, I mean, we got two eyes. We're not, like, catatonic here. We could see the guy sucks. It's unfair to him. He's in the situation. Doesn't change the fact he's sucking. They finally make a move. It's not Carson Wentz. It's not even Matt Ryan. It's not Philip Rivers. It's not Colin Kaepernick. It's not anybody. It's Trevor Simeon. Hell yeah. Who was signed to the practice squad. Now, fans of the Jets might remember Trevor Simeon, who played a whole one quarter for them, and then his ankle got snapped into a million pieces because Miles Garrett exploded it in front of a national audience. Dude,
0: he, he was the Aaron Rodgers before Aaron Rodgers. He
1: was, and then we had to watch two Luke Falk games because of that. So, yeah, thank you for that, Trevor Simeon. But a uh, little bit of a quick refresher on Trevor Simeon for the uninitiated. Uh, former 250th overall pick out of Northwestern, so kind of Brock Purdy before Brock Purdy here. Uh, He was the starter in Denver for two years after Peyton Manning retired, so big shoes to fill. He was not great, kind of a bottom-tier starter. Like He won him games. The Broncos were 13-11 in games he started, but not a guy who's going to win any games with his arm. And since then, he's been kind of a -a rent-a-backup. He's been with Minnesota and the Jets, obviously, and New Orleans and Cincinnati, where he was cut during the preseason. But the Jets brought him back. And uh Trevor Simeon is a guy who I think, even though I'm not a big fan of Trevor Simeon, because I think he's probably the most average quarterback in the league. And not in terms of like he's the 15th best. I mean, average size, average arm talent, average mobility. Like there's really not one trait where he stands out. If anything, I was watching him and I've seen this comparison a couple of times. He his film almost reminds me kind of of Mike White, where he's kind of like a kind of a lumbering guy with a big slow release, but sees the field well, gets the ball where it needs to go. He stands in the pocket and takes hits. I mean, that was plentiful on his New Orleans film. And I don't know about you, but if I have my druthers, by probably week six or so, because Robert Sala already said, Simeon, no does is going to be inactive this week. I think by week six, because Tim Boyle's not even an option and shouldn't be in the league, much like Zach Wilson, Simeon is probably going to end up starting because I think it would be a horrible look for the Jets If they get a guy who's had a limited amount of success, not a ton, but, you know, some, and they just refuse to turn to him no matter how bad Zach Wilson is, I feel like we're going to see Simeon at some point. And I'm excited a little bit, (laughs) a little bit, because I've at least seen Simeon operate NFL offense and win NFL games, which Zach Wilson does not do as frequently.
0: Yeah, I mean, Simeon is a perfectly fine quarterback. I'll, I'll put aside the Trevor Simeon pom-poms for a second because I know I'm going over the top with my my appreciation of Trevor Simeon. But he, he's a perfectly fine backup quarterback in the NFL, which realistically, that's, that's all we've been asking for on this Jets roster. Realistically, there wasn't a ton more that they could have done in this situation. Now everyone will say, oh, they could have signed Carson Wentz. They could have. They absolutely could have. It seems as though the reasons for that are not performance-related and are more off-field stuff. Uh, I'm pretty sure he wore out his welcome very quick in Indy, and he did the same thing in Washington, and I think there's a reason he's not on on an NFL roster, and it's not because of his talent, because for as volatile and mistake-prone as Carson Wentz is, he is absolutely one of the probably, I would say, 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. He should probably be a starter on some team, but he's not, and there's a reason for that, and again, it's probably not performance-related. Trevor Simeon, if you're looking at the the remaining options on the open market, was about as good as they were going to do. Like you could argue, oh, they could have shot, they could have signed Colt McCoy, Nick Foles, you know, whoever. Right? Trevor Simeon is in that that tier of perfectly acceptable backup quarterback. I mean, two years ago with the Saints, when he was when he was filling in for injury, he threw 11 touchdowns and three interceptions in in I think it was six starts or six games, four starts. That is significantly better production than anything we've ever seen out of Zach Wilson. And that's really all that matters here. The Jets brought in somebody who is better than Zach Wilson. And it would have been very difficult to bring in someone that was worse than Zach Wilson. And I think a lot of fans might not fully appreciate how significant of an upgrade this is. And this isn't necessarily to say that Trevor Simeon is a great quarterback, because as you just went through, he's not. He's obviously not. I would say Trevor Simeon is probably roughly around that 50 to 60th best quarterback in the world tier. Like he is low end, mid to low end backup, I think is where I'd say Trevor Simeon is at this stage. Zach Wilson's probably not in the top 100 quarterbacks in the world. And I don't think that that is a hot take. I think the numbers pretty much prove that. I mean, there's been a graphic floating around on Twitter where it was, you know, I I use the term historically bad with Zach Wilson a lot. And it's, it's because it's true because if you look at uh, that chart, I was talking about where it basically charts quarterback efficiency for every single quarterback that has played in the NFL, over the last decade, the only player that has been worse than Zach Wilson is Josh Rosen. They are a significant tier below others, including guys like Deshaun Kaiser, RIP Dwayne Haskins, CJ Bethard, like Zach Wilson. He's he's in that tier below those guys.
1: And also, if you expand the the data sets, I think it was like 400 to 500 plays or something like that. If you expand the place, the minimum amount of place Tim Boyle had, Tim Boyle is like right above Josh Rosen. Like they're right next to each other.
0: Yeah. So the Jets went out this offseason and signed one of the only guys who was actually worse than Zach Wilson statistically. Uh, and so that's why no matter what signing they made, as long as they signed somebody, it was going to be an upgrade. Now, the Jets aren't going to win a Super Bowl with Trevor Simeon. I mean, you never know what could happen in the NFL. But I don't think the Jets are going to win a Super Bowl with Trevor Simeon. But I do believe he gives them an opportunity to stabilize the quarterback position, give them actually capable quarterback play, and it doesn't prevent them from potentially making a move at the deadline if they're still in contention. Uh, I mean, we could talk about this more later in the show or next week or whatever. I, I assume this will be a, a hot topic conversation, but guys like Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, if everything goes to shit in Minnesota, they could be potential trade deadline targets for the Jets. I don't think that Trevor Simeon, I don't think they signed Trevor Simeon with the expectation that he alone is going to lead them to the playoffs, but he is an upgrade over what they currently have. He stabilizes the roster and that's, all they needed. They literally just needed somebody better than Zach Wilson. I hated seeing comments all week, all last week saying, well, you know, what What are the Jets going to do? They lost Aaron Rodgers to an injury. There's not much they could do at this stage of the offseason or at this stage of the season. Yeah, but the the, the bar isn't replacing Aaron Rodgers. The bar is upgrading over Zach Wilson. The Jets did that by signing Trevor Simeon. He's not great. He's not going to lead them to a Super Bowl, but he's fine and fine is better than what they have.
1: I went back and watched those New Orleans games. I remember like watching them. Like, all right, there's no way he was that good. Eleven touchdowns in well six games because he was came in as a backup and threw a yeah. couple garbage time stuff. I'm like, all right, let me look. And uh, spoiler alert, he was not that level when he played. But, but New Orleans had playmakers. He got the ball to the playmakers, and the big thing like. I remember there was a couple clips going around of Trevor Simeon, both in the preseason last year with the Bears, where I actually thought, even when you look at the how other quarterbacks played against the Jets, what he had on that team in rainy conditions against the Jets defense, he didn't play terribly. He had that big throw to Claypool over uh, Sauce Gardner. Like I mean, again, I'm not saying here saying Trevor Simeon going to be a savior, but Trevor Simeon can play quarterback in the NFL. Zach Wilson just straight up can't, and. I'm going back to look at there, and he has a weird, almost kind of like a Cavalier-y thing. Like, he thinks he has Zach Wilson's arm. He doesn't, but he thinks he does. And a lot of his interceptions come from him trying to make throws that Zach Wilson, if he had his head on straight, could make. But Trevor Simeon can't. So that's part of the negatives. And again, like, he can make some plays on the move. Like, his mobility's decreased a little bit with age and with the ankle injury. Like, when he was with Denver, he could actually move around a little bit. I don't really know about that now, but there are times when stuff breaks down. He could scoot a little bit. He had like a 20 yard touchdown run uh, with the saints in that, in that sort of ske- uh stretch of four games. Like th- there are, there are moments where you look at Trevor Simeon and you look at how the jets are playing and there, how many times was Garrett Wilson just wide open and you're like, Trevor Simeon would have hit that. Trevor yeah. Simeon would have hit that. He's not going to throw for 300 yards, but you know what? If the jets made this exact move, The second Aaron Rodgers went down, they're two and one. Yep. And we're sitting here talking about, you know, we're probably not going to beat the Chiefs, but there are a couple things we can do. I mean, Brock Osweiler beat Tom Brady on Sunday Night Football. Like things can happen. Here's a couple little things we need to do instead of just saying doom and gloom and the world's over, like we are because we know who the quarterback is, Zach Wilson. So. It's going to take a while for Simeon to get up to speed. Apparently this offense is like calculus and you need a month to study it because they won't even entertain, you know, bringing guys up that quickly. That's always what I hear. Oh, the offense is tough and he's got to learn the system. Well, dumb it down a little bit. That's what I would say. But again, I'm not thrilled for Trevor Simeon. I'm really not. But oh, I am. I'm pit- <laughs> I'm. done with Zach Wilson. So by virtue of Simeon being not Zach Wilson, he's immediately an upgrade. and. I think he probably gives you a much higher floor because, again, he's he can, ma- he can make difficult throws that Zach Wilson can make, but he gets in his head. Trevor Simeon just lets it rip. And 90% of other NFL quarterbacks, they're going to let those throws rip. Now, he has to overcome an offensive line that while it is not as bad as people say it is, it is, there's issues with it. They're moving guys around. It's another new combination. He's got to deal with an offensive coordinator that, I really don't know what he does. Like I don't know. Like what are the hallmarks of Nathaniel Hackett's offense? Mike McDaniel, it's motion. Kyle Shanahan, it's zone runs. What well, what is what does Hackett do? It's Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Exactly. <laughs> so he's gonna have to overcome all that. But we, we, we got to throw our we got to throw momentum behind him. He's the only one that has any sort of ceiling at this point.
0: <laughs> which is amazing to say was it was number is, two overall pick three years ago there's no ceiling truly astounding comment to say that Trevor Simeon has the highest ceiling of the quarterbacks in the Jets and it's State. true it's highest realistic ceiling uh because obviously Zach Wilson has the highest ceiling but in terms of guys who can realistically even touch that like Zach Wilson isn't realistically going to reach the ceiling with the Jets it's just not going to happen I, I I'm glad you brought up the offensive line because I had an interesting stat that I found earlier um and it kind of speaks to how much of the the issues the Jets had with pressure against the Patriots were a result of just Zach Wilson being Zach Wilson? The Patriots in that game, they generated pressure on sixty one point five percent of Jets throw of Jets dropbacks on Sunday. That was the Patriots' highest mark in five years. The last time that they have generated more uh, that much pressure uh, per per down per snap was two thousand eighteen. However, Zach Wilson had the third highest average time to throw in the NFL this week. So obviously, look, that's that's, that isn't perfect. Part of that is Zach Wilson trying to scramble to extend plays. I'm aware of that when he doesn't fall down, he doesn't fall down or whatever. But a lot of it, like if you see any situation where there's a high pressure rate and also a high time to throw. I mean, look at the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields is the perfect example of that. So many of those pressures, so many of those sacks he takes are on him. The same thing was, was true at Zach Wilson. The offensive line is still not great. They started three dudes who were playing a position they had not played at all this summer uh, on Sunday, right? They started Mekhi Beckton at left tackle. He didn't take left tackle reps. They started Joe Tipman at guard. He didn't mostly didn't take guard reps in, in the summer. He mostly played center. And of course, Elijah Tucker was playing tackle. They didn't play him at all at tackle in the summer. And I still think this was by far their best offensive line performance. I'm very glad we'll give the, we can give the Jets props for this. I'm very glad they went through with the decision to, to not start Billy Turner, not start Max Mitchell. And they said, let's just actually get our five best guys in the field. Now I know there was some talk that um, if Wes Schweitzer was healthy, cause you know, he had a concussion, he suffered a concussion in practice that if he was, was healthy, he would have started at right guard. I really hope the Jets do not make that move and go back to that because Joe Tittman was was excellent. He was. They would have. They always play the dumb vets. I mean, Joe guys. he was the fourth highest graded. Again, take PFF grades with a grain of salt, whatever. He was the fourth highest graded pass-blocking interior offensive lineman this week, guard, center, anything. He was really, really good. He played very, very well. Elijah Vera Tucker was outstanding at right tackle. Both of them were really, really, really good. Uh, And I think just so many of those offensive line issues that we talk about. Now, again, week one and week two – I think a lot more of it was on the offensive line. Although again, we talked about it. I think they were kind of set up to fail by a coaching staff that just did not have a good game plan specifically against Dallas, but and Michael you know, Parsons is just really good. Full stop. It doesn't matter. We who have. have another really interesting chart that's floating around. where basically charted uh, offensive line matchup difficulty. Dwayne Brown, is in a tier of his own in terms of matchup difficulty this year. Nobody is even close to the difficulties that he faced. Now, he still rated out very poorly on that chart. Like, he performed poorly, but he also had by far the most difficult assignment, and it wasn't even close. By the way, the guard with the most difficult assignment was Elijah Vera Tucker. So it just kind of goes to show the Jets have faced some really, really, really good pass rushes over the first few weeks. I expect the offensive line to be better. I expect them to be better when they don't have Zach Wilson under center. And I know you said week week six, Mike. I'm looking at week five. Realistically, that's what I'm hoping for. Because not only do I not want to see two more games of Zach Wilson at quarterback? But think of it this way. The Jets play the Broncos in Week 5. Obviously, there's already some bad blood because of what happened in the offseason and Sean Payton's comments, but this could be a double revenge game for Trevor Simeon. Not only is it it's his former team, it's the Denver Broncos, but it's his former coach. He played under Sean Payton in New Orleans. I think it'd be really, really fun to get, I mean, fun isn't necessarily what the Jets should be going, here, going for here, but that's what I'm looking for. At about. this point, they're not winning, so let's try fun. I think it'd be so fun. If they went out again. Denver had Trevor Simeon come out hell give him the American flag let him have the Aaron Rodgers it's in Denver right yeah it's in Denver I don't even care let him run out with the American (laughs) flag let him come out give him this whole standing ovation from the from the sideline treat him as a hero have him talk shit about Sean Payton all week let him stare down that Bronco sideline and let him go out there and throw for one touchdown one interception and 150 yards and a Jets victory that's I want nothing more than for that to happen in week five
1: I mean, better against the defense that gave up 70 points. But, uh, I want to get to some reports of some turmoil that might be bubbling under the surface. And I know exactly what caused it. Again, Rich Samini said, you know, some defensive players, if this keeps going on, are going to flip their shit and get angry, which I, I could not fault a single one of them for that because people's money and people's livelihoods are getting messed with. I said this on the, uh, on the chef press before you got on, on on the stream, like Wilson was so bad. Mike LaFleur didn't have like connections. He probably wouldn't be coaching this year because of how bad he looked. Like he literally is impacting people's livelihoods and future. And then the kids oh, get fired and take their kids out of school or like, that's how, that's how much this is impacting everything. And I know it might cause that turmoil was that press conference, that Robert Sala press conference. Bad. That was as, bad as you're going to get and again like i know i at first i was angry at first i was furious like because i'm I'm being lied to you're pissing on my head and telling us it's raining you're telling me zach wilson was everybody's got to play better except zach although he later retracted that today he said zach's got to play better but he basically said everybody's got to play better without mentioning zach by name which pissed me off the box score didn't really tell the true story of how things went which was a weak quote and trying to make it seem like we believe in Zach. Well, like you, you can try to work him back up. You can try to just say, Hey Zach, like we like you. Cause he's probably not a bad guy, but like, that's insulting to your fans. Just say like, Oh yeah, actually what you're seeing is completely wrong. Everything's fine. This is how it's supposed to go. That's what it got. So originally that's how I was thinking. And then I kind of take it back. I'm like poor Robert Sala. I mean, what's he supposed to what's he supposed to do? Because I mean they're they're, they weren't gonna put him in for Tim Boyle. Everybody knows he sucks. Like like this poor guy, like it's an impossible situation. It's an impossible situation. They're stuck with him, because again, they added Trevor Simeon, but look and we're excited about Trevor Simeon for whatever that's worth. But if you look at it right now, They added a guy to the practice squad and still Zach Wilson's number one and Tim Boyle's number two. So functionally there hasn't been a change and there may not be a change functionally as much as we might like it to happen soon. So it's going to be the status quo and it's going to be the same thing every week. They're going to get killed and it's going to be because of Zach and then Garrett Wilson and CJ Mosley got to go and lie and say, you know, we got to play better. That sauce Gardner quote broke my heart. We could have allowed zero, zero points. It's like, yeah. man, man, come on. And you can do that for a week or two with a young guy. You can't do that for 17 weeks. And again, I don't think it's Salva's fault. I really don't. I think he's got to take the slings and arrows for this front office. Now, again, they added it now. But one of the problems I have with it, Joe Douglas never talks. Joe Douglas talks after the draft, before the season, during the bye week, or like the trade deadline, and then after the season. That's and when all they you get out of Joe Douglas. And when they
0: trade for Aaron Rodgers.
1: And when they trade for Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's all you get out of Joe Douglas. So he is deflecting these questions, which I guess is what he's supposed to do. But, like, he can't – there's nothing Robert Sala can do right now to change the situation. He's helpless. And he might get fired. He could lose a locker room and lose his job because he really just doesn't have any other options. And I feel bad for the guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it on Sunday after the game, and we were already talking then before the press conference, before the Rich Dimini report came out, and we were saying that Salah's in—he's risking losing the locker room if they continue to start Zach Wilson. That's that's realistically what the situation was. We already saw a couple of sideline blowups during the game. We saw Garrett Wilson being very unhappy about what was going on. Uh, you, you could even just tell watching back the film. There's numerous plays where he's just visibly upset because. He knows, like he knows he's open. He knows he should be getting the ball. He went into the season thinking, all right, offensive player of the year expectations. I got Aaron Rodgers, at quarterback. I'm going to put up a, a 1,500 yards, whatever.
1: I and said he was going to lead the AFC in receiving yards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tyreek would have done it anyway now, but that's what I thought he was going to do.
0: And that wasn't a crazy take at all. There were so many people saying that. He was one of the betting favorites for offensive player of the year. So to have those expectations going into the year and to know how great you still are, and unfortunately, you know what the issue is. You know your quarterback just can't get you the ball. I don't blame him for being upset. And we saw that Michael Carter getting into an argument with, with running backs coach Taylor Embry as well. There's clearly some dissension in that locker room. And We were saying it on Sunday before the solid press conference. And look, I'm not somebody that tries to read too much into press conference quotes. Generally, I think they don't mean much. In most cases, they really don't mean much. I think Tuesday or Monday was not one of those cases. And I said this immediately on Twitter because Sala came across, and I think this is what Samini said as well yesterday, that Sala came across as a, quote, Zach apologist. He made excuses, every excuse in the book, and blamed literally every player on the team with the exception of Zach Wilson. He He's said a BYU the quote, fan. He's what the BYU fans on the, Twitter are. He said the quote, we need to be better around Zach. He never once said during his entire press conference on Monday that Zach needs to be better. All he needed to do was say that. He said that today. He did. He he changed it and said that today, likely because he realized he should have said it on well, Monday. He got embarrassed. Yeah, and he didn't say that. Instead, he talked about how the defense had a miscue in that touchdown. He talked about how the offensive line needs to be better, how the team needs to be better around him. He blamed everybody with the exception of Zach Wilson. Needless to say, those quotes didn't go over well, not to mention he said all that, and seemingly meant it seem as though they had zero intentions to consider a quarterback change. Now, I didn't believe that at the time when he said that Zach Wilson was their unquestioned starter. I did not believe that they fully thought that. I believe that meant he was going to start another week and that they were going to still explore their options, and they did. They brought in Trevor Simeon. But I think the comments that really went over poorly with the locker room were not holding Zach Wilson accountable and ba- basically blaming everyone else because it feels like Zach Wilson is being held to a different standard than the rest of the roster. If any other player, and again, Samini said this in his report, if any other player at any other position had performed as poorly as Wilson has to this point, they would have been benched. They would not have be done
1: that right before. Him. So why, why, why with him? Would that, they, that's why it leads me to believe this isn't in his hands because I... I like Robert Sala. I like his defense. That's why I'm not even against – I'm a little bit against firing him even if he's bad this year because yeah. they could hire a guy like a Sean Payton who hires the wrong defensive coordinator. And Even though the Broncos got the same general like structure, they gave up 70 points because they don't have good coaching. Mm-hmm. Like, So I'm afraid the defense could collapse without him. That's why I like Robert Sala.
0: Here, here's my here's my theory, okay? And this is going to be unfounded. This is going to be some partial conspiracy theory, partial I don't know, just the the impact of that conspiracy. Sure, theory. I love a good conspiracy theory, I, and I'm not a conspiracy theory type person. I don't believe that the Jets coaching staff and that Joe Douglas watched Zach Wilson play last year and said he can be QB two. I don't believe that they. I don't believe they watched him play. That they watched his tape and said, okay, we are okay with him going into the season as our primary backup quarterback. I think there was something else at play. My conspiracy theory is maybe Woody Johnson. That's, that's where the conspiracy theory comes in. That's unfounded. I have no idea if that's true. Maybe I'm just coping. I have no idea. Maybe what? I'm coping and trying to defend Joe Douglas and Robert Sala when I shouldn't be. Maybe they're just bad evaluators. I have no idea. But that's what I think happened. And then I think that they talk themselves into, okay, look, he's learning under Aaron Rodgers. He can, he can He's regaining his confidence. Maybe he can salvage his career here or at least be a competent backup. And then unfortunately he was immediately thrust into action and they did not expect that they anticipated him sitting behind Rogers for an entire year where he can fully reset his mind. Instead, he had a summer, he had an off season to do that. And I, evidently that was not enough time. And so I think that they maybe were forced into it and then talked themselves into it. And that's why they held out as long as they did. They shouldn't have held out as long as they did after Rogers went down is the moment they should have signed another quarterback. Instead, Like you said, they waited a couple of weeks, and now they're stuck with Zach Wilson going into week four in a primetime game. This is the first time, by the way, I said this to you before the show, this is the first time the Jets are on Sunday night football in a decade. The last time the Jets were on Sunday night football, and this is going to sound weird, was the butt fumble. That's considered Sunday night football. Even though it was a Thursday night game, it was on NBC, it's considered part of Sunday night football. That's the last time the Jets were on Sunday night football. A decade later, they're now going and they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. At home, where the crowd is gonna boo at the first, the first mess up. Taylor first. Swift in the
1: building. It's like we're the Washington Generals.
0: Taylor Swift in the building. Like it is, it is perfectly set up for another Jets embarrassment on primetime television. And that it just sucks. And that sucks. Would Trevor Simeon have been have been like a lot better? Probably not. But he would have been better. I don't think they would have won the game with Simeon. But they it, it would have had a chance at probably not getting embarrassed. I don't foresee a scenario where the Jets do not get embarrassed on Sunday. I I really don't. And I want to be optimistic and I want to say, oh, there's a chance like this could happen and these things can go right. And maybe Zach Wilson looks competent. I don't believe any of that. I I, I genuinely don't believe there's a single chance (laughs) that the Jets look like a competent football team compared to the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. And that sucks. And that that just just sucks.
2: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the Filet-O-Fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: And if you love the Filet-O-Fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: One thing that I realized, too, when listening back to some of his quotes, the most illuminating one and where I kind of figured out kind of why he, why there might be some kernel of truth, even if he 10% believes in Zach Wilson and he's acting like it's a hundred, when he said he didn't turn the ball over, that is pure defensive head coach speaking because, and I'm not against hiring defensive coaches. I mean, look at the longest tenure guys. It's all Belichick, Mike Tomlin, Pete Carroll. Like you hire good coaches, John McDermott, like you hire good coaches, whatever side of the ball they're on. But when I hear he didn't turn the ball over, that means they're telling him, don't turn the ball over. And I think Dan Orlovsky did a pretty good job of breaking this down. You can see Zach is so scared. Like that one third and whatever play where he's back at his own five and Garrett Wilson's wide open on an in-breaking post route, and he just goes one, two, three, check down. Like he wasn't even entertaining throwing to Garrett Wilson. He was throwing the check down the whole way because they probably, they saw him early on. Remember that first Patriots game where you're just flipping the ball and in four interceptions? And then he had the Broncos game where he got shut out, and they're like, all right, shut your brain off. You're only We're only going to do the most basic Fisher-Price, you know, kitty offense possible. Like, as minimally involved as you can be as a quarterback. And it didn't really work, but it was better than him throwing four interceptions. But they also just completely emasculated and neutered the guy. Because now uh, the only justification – the only one that really holds any water among Zach Wilson defenders that they keep putting out there is he's got insane arm talent. That's all the arm talent, arm talent, arm talent. Arm talent doesn't mean anything. If all you're doing is throwing checkdowns and not really look, looking down the field. It's like in, in the NBA, everybody's shooting now. It's like you a big guy seven foot one or shooting threes. It's like if you're why, if you're seven foot one and shooting threes, you might as well be six foot three. if you don't actually use your height. If you don't use Zach Wilson's arm, yeah, it can come back to bite you in the ass, but so is the current strategy. And that's the issue, too. It doesn't seem like Sol is really gonna budge on that just because of how he is philosophically and how his brain is wired. So there's no there's no pound of flesh the Jets can get. They know they're not gonna be more experimental on offense and have guy, you know, have McCole Hardman get in the game and run some deep routes. Like they know that's not gonna happen. They know they can't fire a coordinator because they're not going to fire Hackett because Rogers is coming back. So Rogers says, don't fire Hackett. Or if if you fire Hackett, I'm not coming back. They're not going to fire him. So there's no comeuppance. There's no catharsis. There's no resolution. We just got to eat this crap for however long until potentially Trevor Simeon comes to maybe save us. The, The fact he can't sense that people could be frustrated by that. And we're fans. Imagine if our money depended on that. Imagine if we were in that locker room and we were playing great 15 points. I believe I could be wrong. I think Matt O'Leary pointed this out. The average NFL team scores, I think, 23 points a game now. Yeah. And if the Jets scored that in their last 17 starts with Zach Wilson, they'd be 12 and five.
0: Oh, I, oh, I think it was I think it was in their last 18 starts, they'd be 15 and three. 15 and three. Okay. I must have That's the that on set. I, that's the stat I saw, which is even more insane.
1: Fifteen and three, if they're an average offense. If they scored fifteen 20,
0: and three, if they scored twenty three points a game in their last eighteen starts, uh, in their last eighteen games, they'd be fifteen and three. And yet here we are. Have, and, are you have they people, and you have some people blaming the defense. <laughs> it
1: is dr- and you have Robert Sala blaming the defense.
0: Yeah, I I truly believe that Sala regrets what he said. Like I don't believe that Robert Sala. Like I think that I think that today's press conference, what he immediately said today, made me think that he's he saw and he listened back to what he said on Monday, and maybe he heard the the murmurs in the locker room, and he realized that he probably should have taken more accountability for Zach Wilson, or at least shown more accountability on Zach Wilson's behalf. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know that we already got people talking about it in chat, and we were to talk about this anyway. I know that it's not only the people in the Jets locker room that are upset, Mike. Because Robert Sala and this entire Jets organization pissed off. Probably the only person who I've never seen be this mad about this, this mad about the Jets, and that's Joe Namath. And before we as, talk about that,
1: as Niner Gang says in chat, I need to get to this. Uh, is Joe Namath going to show up at practice and beat Zach with a trash can? I mean, you might hit him with a heavier, a uh, blunt object.
0: Oh, I love how I, him at this point. I love how we got Niner Gang in the chat. I. I <laughs>
1: We might see an 80-year-old man strangle Zach Wilson because of how – and this is Joe Namath. This is Joe Willie Namath. He defended all of the Jets crap for however long because he, like us, wants to see him win again.
0: Yeah. No, you're not wrong. But really quick, before we get into the Joe Namath thing, I did say on Twitter that an announcement, and I think this is a good time to announce it because it sort of relates to this. I don't know. It's another older guy, older Jets player named Joe. Joe. (laughs) Named Joe. Uh, We have an interview dropping tomorrow. Uh, with New York Jets legend and Pro Football Hall of Famer Joe Klecko, so that's pretty cool. Uh, for audio listeners listening to this after the fact that are not listening live, that are listening on audio, stick around because it should be at the end of the podcast. For those of you watching live or listening back on video after, uh, it should be up on YouTube tomorrow. So just keep an eye on that. I did ask, is a spoiler. I asked Joe Klecko his thoughts on the name of comments. So you get to you gonna hear what his thoughts were about Joe Namath's comments. Uh, I asked him about some guys in the Jets current players like maybe guys who he thinks we think could join him in the Hall of Fame one day. It was a pretty fun time. Anyway, back to the other Joe Joe Namath. Uh, you're right Mike you're, you're right because there's like the think of this think of all that Joe Namath as a Jets fan right because obviously he was a player but he's been a fan for decades now. How all he's he, not with the organization,
1: though, in an official capacity is just like a special advisor to the owner. It, yeah, it baffles me.
0: Think, I, you're right. But think that all that he's lived through. He's he's lived through so much Jets misery and turmoil over the last, you know, many, 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 many decades. This This right here is what drove him to be the angriest I've ever seen him. I've never seen him say what he said about the Jets organization. He always finds a positive spin on it. He was very complimentary of Sam Darnold, even when Sam Darnold left. Obviously very complimentary of and every Jets quarterback that they've had. He came out and was like, Zach Wilson's awful. It was disgusting to watch him play. They, they're, I, I'm done with him. The Jets need to trade him. He's gone. He called out the coaching staff. He called out Robert Sala and said that, that maybe they need to go too. I've never heard Joe, du- or Joe Douglas, Joe Namath be like this. I've I've never heard this. And I think that that should be very alarming to the Jets. Obviously, Joe Namath isn't the most important. Uh, his opinion doesn't matter the most of everybody in that organization or you know, anybody having to deal with that organization. But it says something that a franchise icon who has been through decades and decades of misery watching his team is now finally like this is the final straw. I think that says something.
1: I will say this too. Uh not not to get morbid, but I also think I mean Joe Namath is eighty years old. Maybe there's a part of him who's like, Look, man, I, I thought I was gonna get one one last one in before you know uh-huh. what, like we gotta hurry up here.
0: Dude, I got my dad telling me that.
2: Like
1: he's like he's like they better win before I die. Like I mean I mean, maybe there's a part that thinks that, but also well, I think it's significant. Woody Johnson, because he's a asshole billionaire and he only cares about what other billionaires think. Woody Johnson cares what successful, quote-unquote successful people or people who can throw their weight around think about his organization. He's Even during the worst times, he's always been very conscious of how the Jets are perceived. And I don't think it's a coincidence that after all this time where they did not add a quarterback, Joe Namath does that and they at least get Trevor Simeon. I think maybe Woody was like, all right, go, Joe, you got to do something. You got to do something. Or who knows what else Joe's going to do. And however many fans are going to get riled up. And
0: Dude, in that case, can yeah. Naaman start complaining about, like, Nicole Harmon not getting snaps? Can <laughs> Naaman come out and be like, Jeremy Rockwell needs to play more?
1: Bring him back every week. And like, I don't get what this coaching stat – Hackett yeah. is doing schematically. I'm like, oh, this is great.
0: Just, just feed him all the information we need that – we need Joe Douglas to hear and Robert Fala to hear. <laughs>
1: Uh, I remember I almost met Joe Namath once, too. I saw him at, like, remember old MetLife had that, like, stadium club thing? Like, right before you went in?
2: Mm, I don't
0: think I've, no, I was never at, like, the old stadium. I never went to the old stadium.
1: Well, I remember going there, and then this is, like, Joe's doing better now. But I think at the time he had a procedure, and he was, like, walking with a cane, and then my dad's like, that's Joe Namath. I'm like, that's Joe Namath, like, the greatest, you know. But then later, now he's doing great. He looks great for 80, actually, I would say. Yeah, yeah, he does. But, but uh one thing, one debate, or at least one line of kind of thinking that I've seen popped up lately wasn't even about the comments. It was like, should he have said it? Like the, you know, like was it right? Was it proper etiquette? Was it out of line for him to even say it? And cares. Yeah, <laughs> I know who cares, but like it, it brings up a point that I've been making about Zach in general, which we've said too. It's unfair for him from a professional point of view because he can't perform the task he's being asked to and he has to do it every week. And then he has to have people lie about it and say, no, he actually can do it, which if you're Zach Wilson, that would hurt me more than some of the booze because it would make me feel like a kid who you have to treat like a baby. It's, because it's otherwise, like, yeah. But then the other thing too is I said this too on stacking the box on our week three NFL recap show. If they keep putting him out there and I'm not trying to be dramatic and just say things that are like, you know, over the top legitimately, if this keeps up, you might outside of football hurt this kid just mentally. I mean, because imagine, again, we talk about this every day, the the negative stuff he gets. I know he's not watching like first take or whatever, but like some of this stuff has to make it through. I'm sure some teammates have told him like, hey, man, like you got to you got to step it up a little bit. I guarantee you someone's told him stuff like that. And he, even like if they
0: haven't, he knows, like he can, he can read he, body language. Like he, he knows, he knows. And
1: he if knows. Joe Namath is doing this in week four, imagine if it's week 12 and he's still starting, what, what's going to happen? Who's going to say it,
0: what? I mean, Week 12 and Zach Wilson is still the New York Jets starting quarterback. I, I don't even want to do this show anymore, dude. I'm like, I'm, I, I, I truly believe that that won't be the case. i I hope, that Sunday will be the last time we see Zach Wilson start. But I said that last year against the Jaguars. I thought that was going to be the last time that we saw Zach Wilson start a game, and here we are. So who knows?
1: Yeah, for all that talk about, oh, are they going to lose the locker room? He already did lose the locker room once. You don't just get it all back as a quarterback immediately with doing nothing different. But see that – and again, Namath can say whatever he wants. He should be in an official capacity with the Jets, but you know he's not going to influence Jet policy too much he's not like the overlord he's not like an old medieval king who just you know takes people's land but i mean when he says stuff like this when the most positive guy ever says stuff like this you ever hear a guy who's like not really who's not talkative at all like
0: scream and yell and you're like whoa that just happened with the jet like they they broke the jets broke the optimism in the fan base even look at like some of my favorite people some of my favorite my favorite people in the jets community like nyj matt nyj mike they're like two of the most optimistic dudes look at their twitter the last few days they're they're miserable like the jets broke the jets broke their fan base like they they really did even in the darkest times of like the adam Gase era of of recent, you know, recent dark times in Jets history, it wasn't like this because the expectations were different. Nobody had Super Bowl expectations when Adam Gase was the New York Jets coach. Those were the expectations going into the year. And obviously, obviously Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. You can't blame the Jets for that. That just sucks. But that's that's partially why like there's just so much frustration on the part of Namath, on the part of the fan base, because it was supposed to be different, man. Like it was, it wasn't supposed to be like this. It really wasn't. It was supposed to be different, but again, I think what Namath's
1: alluding to, too, is like, unless, I think Namath also knows deep down they're not firing anybody, which yeah. I can get behind on a macro scale, because like I said before, Z- Robert Sala, no matter what he says to Zach Wilson, he can't physically make him throw the ball accurately to open receivers. Like, you, mm-hmm. you just can't do it. That's on Zach at this point. But because of that, there's nothing the Jets fans can kind of latch onto of like, all right, if we stomp our feet and get really mad then they'll fire this guy. I mean, with Gase, I don't care if gate, how many games Gase won that second year, he was not returning. Like they they were just fed up with him. He could have won five or six. Wouldn't have mattered. He would have been gone. You're not going to get that this year. So they know that no matter what they have to watch for three months, they got to organize their week around it. People got season tickets going to every single game. They got to watch again. Like they could change a Trevor Simeon, but I'm honestly operating under the idea that they don't because they haven't, They've moved so slow with everything else quarterback related. They got to go watch horrible quarterback play, minimal accountability for the quarterback play, and then everybody come back next year the exact same. So they're saying why? That's the problem. That's the issue. Like I see Niner gang again in chat. Thanks for coming in for getting some Niners fans here. Jets should go after Cousins. They're not going to do that. Joe Namath can say whatever he wants. Joe Namath can say get Kirk Cousins right now or I'm never going to another Jets game as long as I live. I still don't think they'd do that. And that's the issue. That's why guys are so angry.
0: I think there is a scenario where the Jets get Kirk Cousins. I do do believe that that's a possibility. I don't think it's likely. And I know I said like last week or two weeks in the show that it it wasn't going to happen. I think I've come around a little bit more about it being possible. I think Tannehill is a lot more likely. The Cousins thing would have to be – the Vikings are one and six, or you know, two and five, or whatever at the trade deadline, and they say, "All right, we're punting on, we're punting on a season. That's it. Season's over. Cousins isn't going to be back next year. That's it. We're moving on." And if they decide that, it's possible. I think. It's, I think it is possible that he becomes available, and I think if he becomes available, and the Jets are in a situation where they say, "All right, our roster is good enough. Whoever it has been, Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon has kept us afloat. Maybe we can make a push at the playoffs here." Maybe they go and do that. I think it's possible. I don't think it's likely. I also think, and again, maybe I'm just being optimistic here. I really don't think Zach Wilson is starting more than two games in his in, for the rest of the season with the Jets, barring injuries to anyone else. I, I really think that at worst, you know, assuming he's he's bad, assuming he's still really bad. At worst, he's starting through week week six and then that's it. Or week five, starting through week five, and then that's it. I, I really believe that. I think that they have the fact that they have Simeon in there. They're talking him up, saying he's a quick study. I mean, not that it means much, know, He went to North. He went to Northwestern, smart school, whatever. Like, I think he can come in and learn the offense well enough to run it within a week or two. If Zach Wilson is still really bad, I don't see any way where they can say we're still starting Zach Wilson, and they can look they can look the rest of the roster dead in the eyes and say. This guy gives us the best chance to win. I, I don't believe they would do that. I truly, truly don't. Maybe I'm just being optimistic. I just I just don't think that happens.
1: For Zach Wilson's sake, I hope he doesn't start too many more games. For everyone's sake. He's not, he, there's no possible way he could be in a good place
0: mentally right now. No. And I, I don't believe I, it. And I, I can't blame him. He of, of all the people he's suffering the most, he shouldn't be in this situation. Quarterbacks that are as bad as he is do not get this many opportunities in the NFL. The only reason he's on a roster is because of his draft status. When he, the Jets inevitably move on from him, I'm not sure he plays another NFL game. I don't think he will. I, I really don't think he will. He's just he's unplayable. He's, if, he you ask, if you asked him right
1: now, like, do you want to start for the Jets against the Chiefs next week? I'm sure he'd say, yeah. There'd be a part of him, not insignificantly, that would say no. Because because yeah. what what good's going to come out? He's going to get killed. He's going to stink. We're all going to get on here and say Zach Wilson's terrible. He should never start again. And then the cycle is going to repeat against Denver, yeah. Unless Trevor Simeon comes in. So with that, Justin, we have an impossible task
0: to close the show out with. Well, first, I have an impossible, uh, not a, not impossible, ad read to do. I believe. Good, good segue. <laughs> no, it's flawless, by the way. Anyway, a little message from our friends. At DraftKings. Jets fans, DraftKings is up there. Sign up to kick kickoff football season. New users can place a $5 first bet to instantly claim $200 in bonus bets, plus up to $150 back in bonus bets if your team loses, which, as we covered before, seems likely for the Jets. All you have to do is sign up with our code FSBETS. That's on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Using our code FSBETS, that's FSBETS, not only gets you three or these great bonuses, but it also directly supports our podcast and helps us out. And of course, we always appreciate that. If you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use our code FSBETS, that's FSBETS, to maximize your first bets. Dissolver is available. To new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states, please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. All right, now, Mike, it is time to talk some Jets versus Chiefs.
1: And, and what do you really want us to say at this point? Because th- this is the problem, too, with any Zach Wilson-led offense, is even though the Bears had no shot of ever winning that game, you can at least look at that game and say, all right, Justin Fields can run really well. They need to keep him in the pocket. When he does throw deep down the field, which is never, he's actually shown like a little bit of deep accuracy like on like go routes and stuff like that. So try to keep everything in front of you. If you're a cheap, if you're Steve Spagnuolo, like what are you trying to take away? <laughs> you don't even have to take away Garrett Wilson. You can leave him open and it'll be fine. All you have to do All you have to do, and even again, sometimes you may not even have to do this, is get a little bit of interior pressure. And then Zach Wilson is going to freak out and run out and spin down and make a bad play. So because of that, the only possible way, as Robert Sala has admitted, basically in his press conferences, is everybody else has to play perfectly. Speaking about that defense, which is the toughest task in the league, trying to slow down Patrick Mahomes, because you can't stop Patrick Mahomes. You can slow them down, you can't stop them. It's a really unique challenge for this Jets defense because obviously the Chiefs' receivers are pretty bad this yeah. year. Kadarius Tony had not even trying to be funny. Can you, like, mathematically have a worse game as a wide receiver than he had in week no, one?
0: No, I'm pretty sure there was, like, I think it was, like, EPA or something like that. Every time they targeted him, they lost two points. <laughs> he had
1: four <laughs> targets. I believe he had one catch for one yard, three drops, and a fumble, and then a pick yeah. six that went off his hands. I mean
0: – since bounced back a little bit, but that game was one of – you could argue that was the worst wide receiver performance in that history. right? Yeah, you could, you could definitely argue that.
1: There was that. I mean, Sky Moore, whatever – rasheed Rice, I like that yeah, was your guy, rasheed Rice, but he's a yeah, rookie. Yeah, I like rasheed Rice. You got you got to let him kind of come into his own. So really, it's all going to be about Travis Kelsey.
0: Yeah,
1: and how you try and to limit Taylor person. Swift. Oh yeah, now so keep in mind now as he Travis Kelsey, he's going to have the I'm um, I'm trying to impress everybody in front of my new girl, who's also the most popular singer on the planet right now, Taylor Swift. Maybe Bad Bunny if you count all the anyway, most yep. popular singer in America, Taylor Swift. Like, so you got that on top of you. It's like, you ever go watch guys play basketball and then a girl shows up and they're doing crazy yeah. dribbles and pulling up from 30 feet?
0: Oh, pull up the pads, got the leg. Yeah, I, I, oh, yeah. that's yep. what
1: Travis Kelsey is going to end up yep, doing. Yep. You got that boost. You got that jetpack on his back. And then you have the fact that, like with last year, even though the corners aren't playing as elite as they were last year, like they're still playing pretty well. Like Sauce Gardner had a rough week re- week one. Week two, despite what people say, he was actually very good against CeeDee Lamb. Week three, he was old school sauce gardener locking things down. DJ Reed been very good. Michael Carter been very good. I think they're all like top 20-ish graded cornerbacks in the league. So that's what you want out of your guys. But they're going to be on wide receivers that really aren't going to break the game open. It's going to be Kelsey. And they've been able to move the ball opposing passing offenses. Again, targeting some of the linebackers and some of the safeties not as bad as last year but that's how guys are moving the ball they're finding soft spots in the zone which is still a very soft zone and they're challenging cj mosley and quincy williams and uh and jordan whitehead to make plays after the catch and sometimes they do they did against new england for large parts of it but against dallas they certainly did not so i'm i'm conflicted on if the jets go we're gonna go all in on stopping kelsey or if you just say, you know what, he's going to get nine catches for ninety yards. Like we just gotta let him do that and not let, you know, somebody else come and surprise us. I'm not sure what the game plan will be.
0: Would you say that Travis Kelsey might be able to find the blank spaces in the in the Jet Zone defense on Sunday? Oh, what, is,
1: what what blank space? What
0: <sighs> are you not? It's a Taylor Swift song.
1: Oh, it, uh, I'm
0: I'm not. On, I don't know. I don't. Oh <laughs> uh, come on! Taylor Taylor Swift you give all these references to me, and I reference one of the most popular songs. Like, by Taylor I, Swift.
1: I don't have a problem with Taylor Swift. That's just not my genre. And, <laughs> I, I uh,
0: wanted to throw out more, too. I wanted to be like, oh, you know, in, in the Jets' wildest dreams, they couldn't I mean, be. You can, you can do it. I just you can I'm do gonna, it for your I'm gonna, entertainment. I'm going to sneak some in, maybe, if I could think of some more. I'll be like, you know, it's not, uh, you know, the, the Jets' style. To, to, Is that to, it?
1: Okay. I, 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 I People texting me that I hadn't talked to in years who knew nothing about football, and they're like, Hey, is Travis Kelsey like a a good guy, a nice yeah. guy? I'm like, I don't know him personally. He seems like right. it, but I don't know why I'm your first call either. But that's kind of the level of the discourse right now.
0: I I, I will say, you know, the Jets have to shake it off. They have to shake off that loss. Okay, to I debate. know that one. I'm not that like. <laughs> I mean, bad or a blank space is that's a that's a pretty popular song. By her. That's a You're fooled that's, me. That's that's a pretty popular song. But yeah, I I I want to say too. I want to shout out. To, to move aside from the Taylor Swift puns for a second if I can think of more I'll throw them out uh, I want to shout out Quincy Williams because I think he's gonna be a key in this game he's had a really really good start to the season I know we're talking about so many things with the quarterback situation with with the coaching staff with everything that's flown under the radar he is I believe, PFF's ninth or eighth best linebacker so far through three weeks and he's their third best coverage linebacker which that's going to be really important against Travis Kelsey I'm sure they're going to have plenty of situations where they line up Kelsey opposite or Sauce Gardner opposite Travis Kelsey but there will be situations where he's lined up against a safety or a linebacker and right now Quincy Williams is probably their best bet because he's starting to put it all together I mean this is we've talked about this with Quincy Williams for years that you know the Jets have said numerous times he has pro ball upside like he he can be one of the best linebackers in football. He just has to put it together. Honestly, I never thought he would. Like, I never never thought he'd put it together in the way that he's putting it together now. So I think he's going to be really important to watch, especially if Tony Adams doesn't play again. Because I I have a feeling Adams might have been the guy that they would match up with Kelsey. Um, I don't know if they want to do it with Adrian Amos as much. So I think that's...
1: Whitehead's smaller.
0: That wouldn't be... Yeah, I don't don't think I would do that. Um, And and
1: even Sauce, like Sauce will cover him. But, I mean, Travis got, what, 60 pounds on him? I mean...
0: Yeah. <laughs> no I mean you're not wrong I mean Travis Kelsey is the man That's I just i point. don't believe
1: sauce is 200 pounds anyway he might be like 170 that man yeah. is skinny
0: <laughs> yeah no i mean look kelsey the, the the jets are gonna have some bad blood. With Kelsey and the Chiefs' offense, I'm throwing in more. I know they're going over your head. So, are,
1: that one, that one, I know. That's I threw, I, threw I threw another it, story about how I know that one,
0: but it was uh, the man yeah. as well. I threw that one in there. I don't know. All right, I'm gonna. I'm done with these because now they're very good. generic names. You could have just said them. And <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, try working in. We are never, ever, ever getting back together. Into a. a, 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 like,
1: the a Jets and Zach time. Wilson will never be back together after this game. it it was
0: a cruel summer. For the Jets, it really wasn't a cruel summer for the Jets. It was actually a pretty great summer. It's that been a cruel. A dan- that was a Danzig album, "Cruel Summer." It was also oh, a song. It's also a song by Taylor Swift. I got. I get a lot. I could throw. I throw some more out, <laughs> but, but I don't think-, think at the end of the day, I don't think that this will be the Jets' love story on uh, on Sunday.
1: <laughs> but uh, one thing I'm looking at too with Kansas City, if they if they have any chance of possibly, wouldn't that be amazing if they beat the Chiefs and then Taylor Swift's like, actually, I want to go date uh, exactly. Reese or something like that. Oh, just a, I, what if it was Zach Wilson? Wouldn't that be nuts? Oh my God, that but, might get him another year in the NFL. All of that Zach alone.
0: Wilson, if Zach Wilson went on a single date with Taylor Swift, I, I, that, that would that would it's it. his confidence. That's it. Like he he would become the most confident quarterback in the NFL.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Next game, four hundred yards, four touchdowns. That would be the key
0: to unlocking Zach Wilson. You see to set him up with a celebrity. That's in the- all
1: seriousness, though, that defense. I think people got this this thing in their head. I've complained about this with the jets offensive line where people have just assumed the offensive line is like unplayable. So no matter what people say about them, mm-hmm. like you just can't be convinced. Otherwise it's almost like that with the chiefs defense. Cause remember early in Mahomes' career, he had awful defenses. Like the first two years, the year he, the first year when he had like set all the records and then lost to the Patriots. And then the super bowl year, the defense was not very good. And he had yeah. to win every game, like, you know, 38 to 30, Every single week. And he did, but he had to. That's not the Chiefs anymore. This defense, man, is absolutely balling right now. And obviously Chris Jones is going to be the main guy you try to stop. But he's going to almost be like an Aaron Donald guy where you're like, you know, he's going to get his. He's going to disrupt things. we got to kind of work around him. You look at this defense. They've only given up 40 points in three games. And, again, they play the Lions, who had the most high-octane crazy offense last year holding the 21 points they go play trevor lawrence on the road holding the nine points and then 10 against the bears and that was when they're already up 41 to nothing and they gave up so really functionally when they were in games it was 30 points in three games this defense is balling i think the corners are a lot better right now they're like legitimate got some lockdown guys with algeria sneed on the outside this defense is opportunistic this this defense is almost kind of what robert sala this is what he's, I feel like, tries to emulate a lot because Spagnolo does not blitz a ton. They guys fly to space. It's They're fast. They tackle hard. It's going to be tough. I don't care who is the quarterback, Simeon, Aaron Rodgers, anybody to score against this Chiefs defense. So the only possible way that they're going to succeed, and again, it's impossible because they're going to stack the box again because Zach Wilson, is you got to get Brees Hall going because it doesn't matter if Garrett Wilson's going because Zach Wilson can't see him. So it's got to be the ground game, and this is going to be the make-or-break game almost in his career for Dalvin Cook. Like, if Dalvin Cook – he's been bad to start. One of the worst running backs in the league to start. If he – because they're going to give him the ball a lot on dump-offs, to spell Brees Hall because they're going to run the ball a lot. If he's terrible, if he gets another, you know, seven carries, 13 yards, two catches for 11 yards, if that happens again – I don't care what you paid him. I might just eat the money at that point because it's not helping anybody.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you talked earlier about interior pressure, like that, the, 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 if the Chiefs get any sort of interior pressure, uh, it could be curtains for Zach Wilson. And unfortunately they have Chris Jones. Like it's not just Chris Jones. George Karloftis has two sacks to the first three weeks. Uh, I don't know if Nick Bolton is going to play because he's been banged up, but he's a really good linebacker. That secondary is balling. They have a lot of great players. They have a lot of great players. It is a fearless Chiefs defense. Uh, I'm throwing in some more, by the way. i have thrown in some more. I've tried. Know to that th- I know. I you know, know the albums. Okay. Okay. You know. You know. Fearless. I, I would say that if the Jets lose this game, you could say it's karma uh, for starting Zach Wilson. See, these aren't. These are just regular things you could say. These are just words. <laughs> Look what you made me do, Mike. I'm throwing out more. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna hang up this call, and you're gonna be left by yourself talking to nobody in two seconds. I realize I know more Taylor Swift songs than I thought I knew because I'm throwing out <laughs> so many. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. I spent the last like four minutes while you're talking, being like, "Mm, what other songs do I know that I could throw out (laughs) some more Swift. This is, I'm entertaining myself during a segment where we have to try and talk about how the jets could maybe possibly potentially beat the chiefs with Zach Wilson, the quarterback, which I think that brings us to our final, our final thing, our final thought, Mike, what is your prediction for this game? I would love to hear what you think the final score is going to be and who wins chiefs 31 jets 10
1: yeah because that's what they do they score 10 points that's what the offense does and this is why and and this isn't even we're laughing about it, Taylor swift it's going to be funny i compare them to the washington generals going against the globetrotters i mean even the national media now and during the game like there's not even entertaining for a second that the jets can win this game now they can use that to their advantage nobody believes in us and Maybe a good coach like Salah, who I think is a good motivator, can get guys riled up for that. But, I mean, the Jets are going to just be a pommel horse for Travis Kelsey. There's going to be more shots. Here's a good bet to make during the game. Will there be more shots of Taylor Swift, if she attends, or Zach Wilson? I think it's Swift. It, gonna it, cut it, after every
0: Kelsey play? It depends on what you mean shot. Because like Zach Wilson, if he's playing, he's under. He's a quarterback. I mean, they, like
1: I mean, you know, maybe Zach Wilson? There's gonna be more discussion rather because yeah. when this game gets out of hand, they're not gonna talk about how Wilson made another stupid interception or fell down on a sack and or made a dumb play. They're gonna be filling time and talking about her.
0: No, I mean you're not wrong. I I think I'll say. I'll say 35 to six. And I don't think that I was optimistic. You <laughs> like, sure do less of a chance. I don't think they're putting up 35 on the defense. I think there's maybe a defensive score in there. I think the defense is getting put in bad situation at the bad situation. I'll say 35, six. I think Zach Wilson genuinely has a complete meltdown because this has all the rest of like the, everything going into this game has the makings of a Zach Wilson meltdown performance. Like, Turnover. He got very lucky against or lucky, whatever you want to call it, against Patriots. He didn't turn the ball over. Genuinely, I know we we on him a lot. That was his best game he's ever played against the Patriots, <laughs> which is not Out saying, of five, which is saying like basically nothing. But it was. I think the turnovers come back this week, and I think he completely implodes. I, I really think that's going to happen. I know I was optimistic last week. I said they were going to win. Which, hey man, in my defense, if they had literally even like a top eighty quarterback in the world, they probably win that game. They just didn't. <laughs> he down in the flat on fourth and
1: ten because, by his own admission, he thought Tyler Conklin could juke a guy and make a miss.
0: Yeah, uh, it's 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 bad. But that's I'll say thirty-five to six. And before I could think of any more Taylor Swift puns, uh,
1: you know how I know he shot and how I know they got no chance because it was the same thing when he in the post game when they asked him what went wrong and he said I don't know. That's what he said after yeah. the Jaguars game was what happened out there, and he said I don't know. So like yeah. he is just. He is just way gone. Like again, I think they're going to break because Brees Hall's talented, and Garrett Wilson will get behind the defense for a big play every now and again. And the defense, this is going to be the worst part of the de- of the uh, the debate next week, is because the defense is going to give up a lot of points because they're going to be on the field a lot, and through no fault of their own, just Patrick Mahomes is going to make some insane plays. That's just he does that a lot. And then we're going to get well. Everybody needs to be better again. And then it'll have more credence if they give up a lot of points to Mahomes. So that's what I'm really not looking forward to.
0: Look, not not you, you made a mistake, Mike. You gave me more time to think of Taylor Swift puns. Not to be mean, but uh I think that Zach Wilson, we could we could very safely call him the anti-hero of the Jets. You
1: you could say there's a Taylor Swift song called <laughs>
0: Zach Wilson, and I believe you. Like you just you could say <laughs> yeah, whatever. yeah, I that was one. You you missed that pun. I said Zach Wilson. Now that's a pun. Oh, that, dude, that's a like, <laughs> I only knew this too because I remember I knew I
1: knew this was one one person uh, and she had a whole list of uh, a whole list of like all the Taylor Swift songs like almost in a ranking. She was a really big fan so just wow. through osmosis I've kind of picked up a couple of them
0: but I like I like Taylor Swift I I I I, I, mean, I can't say I'm a super fan but I like I like plenty of Taylor Swift songs. Did you and
1: see that, not- that one video going around of uh it was like uh, Swift fans. A th- first down is when they get the ball
0: past ten well, yards. Like the most, the, the most the, basic the, explaining rules of football the, ever. You know Swift NFL memes are so funny right now. They are. They are. <laughs> I. I'm so glad this is happening, and I hope I see even more because they're playing the Jets this week. I. I really do.
1: And, and you know what? Good for the game. It's getting more. You know, young girls, female yeah. fans. Like good. If that's what gets you your foot in the door, then then I welcome that.
0: Sure. I I saw people being like, "Oh yeah, like I mean, knowing the Swifties and knowing this Taylor Swift fandom, they're going to be explaining EPA per play within a few weeks. Like they're going to be on God. They're going to find where I live after I said I don't know their songs. I mean, dude, they're afraid of these girls. They're going to be coming up with ways to stop Mike McDaniel's offense. They're gonna they're gonna figure out things that the NFL hasn't figured out yet because those those are the type of people this fan base is, and I I respect it. I honestly do.
1: So, yeah. So uh, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Jet Press podcast right before their uh, expected funeral in front of the national audience where that's going to be a snuff movie. If you want to see a good snuff film, you can go turn on NBC at 815 at night and then only watch the first half. And then maybe later you could, you know, call your grandmother or you'll do some meals on wheels stuff or something more productive instead and of watching cooler,
0: Come in and you, you can, you can vent with us. You can cope with us because we'll be live after the game. We'll
1: be live after the game. <laughs> uh, you can be as angry as you want or as apathetic as you want. Just make sure you tune in, make sure you do it there. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google podcast, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We're on all the platforms and we're on YouTube and TikTok at the jet press. Make sure you subscribe because with every YouTube subscription, make sure you tell your friends, because we are with every sub, you're I'm one step closer to having to eat that disgusting honey bun mm-hmm. turkey chicken Cheeto sandwich that's probably gonna make me crap for two hours in a row. Thank God Sauce Gardner's a 23 year old athlete in his prime and he could digest that because you can make me suffer. All you gotta do is hit that sub button, and I, as a glutton for punishment, will do it for you. So you're a
0: skinny guy. I don't know how you even have room for that sandwich. It's gonna like double your weight.
1: Well, yeah, my stomach is not gonna be able to take all that, (laughs) all those
0: calories. It's gonna be like this is too much. (laughs) Yeah, and of course we have that Joe Klecko interview. I mentioned it earlier, but that is going up live on YouTube tomorrow and if you were listening on audio right now if you're not listening live and you're listening on audio right now stick around because right after this you're gonna hear it it's gonna be put in right after this um but yeah if you're watching on youtube watching live right now definitely check it out tomorrow you're not gonna want to miss it some pretty cool stuff in there and of course Thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Fried. follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. You can download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. We're also over on TikTok. You can subscribe and like our stuff over there as well. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time and live following every single Jets game. Thank you all for listening to the Jet Press podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. I'll see you guys next time.
1: Let's hope it's not. As bad as we think it'll be on Sunday night. Trevor Simeon.
0: Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed. And I'm joined today by New York Jets legend and pro football Hall of Famer, Joe Klecko. Joe, what's going on, man? How are you doing?
2: Oh, I'm doing good. Great to be here today.
0: Ah, it's great to have you, man. Of course. So you're here today on behalf of the NFLPA's new campaign titled Tackle Obesity. Can you share a little bit more about the campaign and what inspired you to get started with it?
2: Well, I think what it is is uh, how I was inspired basically is, you know, I see a lot of guys around me who are my age and even older and some even younger who played and are facing this weight problem. And, you know, they, they really don't want to face it. It, It's a, it's a embarrassing thing to look at, you know, in their own minds, whether they've been out one year or 30 years, you know, they still feel they're athletes, you know what I mean? And in their mind, they have this athletic persona, and it's hard to uh, admit that they have a problem maybe, you know? And what they don't know out there, which I've learned now through the program, is there's help for you. There's professionals to help you. There's Now there's drugs out there that they can help you fight the obesity problems and stuff like that. And it just takes a little bit of nudging to get them to admit or maybe identify with it because, you know, it, it affects a lot of people, you know, I mean, I've had three friends of mine in the past year who are younger than I was at 60 and 65 years old in the area, uh, you know, dropped dead of a heart attack. And I'm not saying it was from obesity and things like that, but half of it's a contributor to it. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's not easy for us as per se ex-athletes, to go out there and, and and identify with any problems, you know? I mean, sure, uh, my knee got busted up because I played this many years and all that. But when you have heart issues, when you have weight issues and it's affecting your heart, it's sometimes you got you to gotta go get, get it taken care of and you're not willing to do it because of whatever reason, whether it's embarrassment, whether it's money, whether there's a lot of things that uh, hold guys back. And I think the program identifies all those things that it can help you with.
0: For sure. Yeah, it's definitely something that I feel like the average fan doesn't think about when they're thinking about a retired athlete, they're thinking about maybe they have some ailments from their playing career. Like you said, right. me, they're not thinking of, oh, maybe, you know, obesity could be affecting them. It's definitely something that fans don't think about. And like you said, maybe a lot of athletes don't really know how to address it either.
2: And, and and that's the biggest problem because, you know, when you're done playing and you don't have a lot to do with uh, athletics and stuff, and maybe you work a, a normal job and some guys don't, they're, they've had, you know, their ability to earn enough money to where you don't have to, they become sedentary and they wind up sitting around and, you know, and we all know that, you know, I seen it happen to my dad. You know, my dad was a, a tough old bird and worked all his life. But, you know, when he retired, you know, he said, oh, I got Social Security and I'm retired. You know, I'm going to sit. And it, it killed him. It really did. You know, he he lived to 80 something. But, you know, the last 10 years of his life was nothing but strokes and problems. And, you know, was it from obesity? No, he, was, he wasn't he was an obese guy. But, you know, you can be anorexic and be obese. You know what I mean? You, the, the body, your, your body mass percentage of fat can be overwhelming to what your lean muscle tissue is, you know, and people don't understand that, you know, and and that's very hard for your heart to deal with when your heart has to deal with pushing around blood through all the fat and not lean muscle. It's a lot easier to do with lean muscle, and it's a lot harder to do with fat. And, and, you know, people that think just because maybe they're thin or something, you know, their lean muscle tissue is not there, and they don't understand that they can be obese by the standards of doctors, you know. And uh, that's something you have to take care of.
0: No, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think it's definitely something that a lot of people don't realize and they don't think about. So it's it's good that that the NFLPA has this, this new campaign that they're, you know, kind of putting at the forefront and, and trying to get people to to take notice of, I suppose. Um, now, you know, in, in the beginning, I referred to you as not only a Jets legend, but a pro football Hall of Famer, of course. Now, it's it's been a long time coming, a longer wait than it should have been. <laughs> I'll ask you, how does it feel to finally be a Hall of Famer?
2: Well, I, I got to admit to you, it's been a whirlwind. It really has, you know, and ever since, you know, even when they first announced me as a as a uh, 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 senior candidate way back last year in August, you know, it, you kind of understand and know that, you know, it's just a rubber stamp come February when the voters get together for it. But then when it finally happens, you know, it's funny. I, I mentioned to somebody uh even at the hall at the uh, Super Bowl when we were announced, you know, it's it's for me it's thirty years, and that's a long time to wait for anything, you know. But I was never really expecting, you know. That was the great thing that we, my wife and I, really had about it, you know. If it's not God's time, it's it's not God's time. His timing's perfect, but you know, it happened. And then it was funny. We came home from the Hall of Fame and uh, had the induction, and we're all. We're all back, and I had a lot of things to do in the next couple of days. I was still traveling, and I came home, I think, the Wednesday or Thursday after, and her and I are lying in bed, and it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I woke up, and I said to her, I said, honey, she goes, what? I said, you know, I'm in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> you know, so it it took that long to put it all together mentally, you know, and the concept in your heart, you know, that yeah you know i'm a member of that 370 guys that are you know the one percenters you know of the of the whole nfl yeah you
0: are you are the best of the best and it's it took a while it took a long time but better late than never it finally happened and i know every jets fan is is ecstatic about that
2: yeah Um, it's been it's been so rewarding for fan wise that all the comments i've had and stuff and even you know uh uh in the beginning maybe a little negativity here man and the fans were so much on my side with it i I loved every minute of it so you know and i've always been a a a big uh supporter of our fans because without fans who are you you really i mean who's gonna watch you? you know nobody so i think it's a big deal for the fans also
0: oh no most definitely for sure and you know obviously you know what it's like to have a hall of fame career you're in the hall of fame uh, looking at this Jets roster, is there anybody you think can kind of follow your footsteps and maybe one day end up joining you in Canton?
2: Well, they have got some players this year for sure, you know. I mean, uh Wilson's such a great receiver, you know, that and I love the way he talks and presents himself even. He is a pro from the word go. He really does. He he, he you know, he talks to the press in a great way. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't uh uh you know, uh, he's not haughty at all. He he's very humble. You know, and he's the kind of guy. And and I think the, the other that was is Quentin. You know, as a defensive tackle, I was at the Jets luncheon, and and you know they talked about they you know they brought me in and we talked on stage for a while, and I talked with him a good bit that day. And God, I thought I was talking to a kid just coming out of high school. I swear to God, you know, as humble as he is, he's he's such a nice guy. And, you know, one thing he said in the paper or online that I read, and he said that, you know, uh, how he handles himself, he goes, he always handled himself in a way his mom would be proud. And that says mouthfuls for anybody. But as far as a player, he's a stud. I mean, he's he's a for force. He's something else. So those two guys right there, you know, as far as, uh, you know, future Hall of Famers, they got a great career ahead of them. But they have the right attitude. You know, I um, mean, humility is a wonderful virtue. And the, both of them guys have it.
0: Absolutely. And that's that's obviously high praise coming from you. You've been there. You know what it takes to be in the Hall of Fame. So that's definitely high praise. I, I think we have to talk a little bit about the unfortunate stuff sort of going on with the Jets. Sure. The absolutely. Absolutely. Now you never got to to play with Joe Namath, but obviously you know him very well. Like, of course, he was he was the person who gave you the famous knock, the Hall yeah. of Fame knock earlier this yeah. year. What are your thoughts on his comments earlier in the week about Robert Sala, Zach Wilson, and the entire Jets organization?
2: I just think it's. A, I think it's a. I don't know. I think if Joe would sat down, thought a little bit more about it, I don't think he would. Because you, you know, J- Joe's not that kind of guy. I mean, he really isn't. You know. He's a, he, he's a, he's a gentle person that way. And as far as his comments, they're, they're never really harsh. You know, he made something like, well, maybe they should not have, you know, worked a little more on this or that, but he's never been this harsh, you know? And, uh, I was very surprised at it. I really was because, you know, we all played the game and we, listen, shallow puts it together. Douglas puts it together, uh, you know, Uh, Zach Wilson throws it, but they don't all block for him. They don't block for the running game. Not everybody catches every pass. You know, so it's one guy doesn't lose a game. You know, it's a team that loses a game. Now, could some of them play better and you're expecting more? I think the greatest thing, the biggest problem is there was so much expectation from this year's team, especially what they did last year where they made on that run and they played so well. And, you know, and then everybody got hurt and they lost the last six out of seven games. I think that was a disappointment, but there was hope for this year. And then when Rodgers goes down in the first play of the Buffalo game and they come back and they put it together and they win. There's no saying that they can't do that anymore. You know, is Zach Wilson going to beat Aaron Rodgers? We all know that's not going to happen, but can he learn to manage a game? Listen, I think what would be really great really, really great, is if Aaron Rodgers got to come back now and sit on the sidelines and and, and really mentor uh, Zach Wilson right now because, you know, if they gave him the ability to learn from a guy like Rodgers, you know, a coach can teach you. A coach can teach you steps, release, all those things. He can't teach you how to anticipate defenses. And that's the biggest thing with young quarterbacks today. They get fooled a lot, especially, well, it was very evident, you know, when you play against a guy like Belichick, you know, Belichick's one of the smartest defensive coordinators in the league. And when he has ever plays against rookie or young quarterbacks, he usually does well because he knows what he thinks they're looking at, but they're not looking at, you know, like Aaron Rodgers knows what, is looking he's looking at you know so to, to kind of convey that into a rookie a rookie's head that means a lot so i'd like to see him be able to come you know I, I know he's rehabbing and he's he's got a lot of things to worry about himself but it'd be nice to see that happen but you know what joe did i, I really believe i think you know I, I i know this is a fact if joe had to do it over he would have reached that right away
0: Yeah, like you said, it it comes from a place of frustration. Like Joe has always been a a super positive, optimistic Jets fan. I guess you can call him a Jets fan at this point. Uh, So it's just like you mentioned, the expectations were very high. Everyone is very frustrated with what happened and how the season is going. Uh, I do want to talk to you about Aaron Rodgers, too, because – I think you can share some interesting perspective on this because Aaron Rodgers. it does seem as though the expectation is he will be back in 2024. At least that's the hope. Now it's, it's a long road to recovery for him and it's one that you've been on before. Of course the knee injury you suffered in 1982, that that caused you to, to miss pretty much the most of the season. You did return later, but obviously it's a different injury, but can you share any insight into what that rehab process is like for a pro athlete recovering from a serious injury?
2: Well, the two differences in his injury and mine, of course, they're both tendons, which is equal. And doctors will tell you that, you know, the bone, the blood supply to a bone is the most in your body. The second most is a tendon. And the tendon, the more blood supply you have to an area, the better healing process it is. The other side of it is, is, uh, flexibility and, 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 uh, rehab. I remember, you know, everybody told me my career was done, let alone not play again. So I had mine the third game of the season and I broke my patella. Well, we were on strike didn't mean nothing to me, but, uh, I came back to play in all the playoff games, you know, and, you know, everybody said that was unheard of, but I know what it was like. And I knew how I rehabbed. I was an animal at rehabbing because I had a lot of injuries, you know, and uh, when I rehabbed this, you know, I lived to get the flexibility back so I could start running, so I could start lifting, Uh, you know, the steps that the trainers gave me to do, I exceeded. Now, I could see him doing that because There's no doubt in my mind that he doesn't want to end his career like this at all. He's not walking out in the sunset like John Wayne here, you know, and he's going to hall of fame. Now there's, there's a guy, four time MVP. We all know what his future is, but he doesn't want to let this team, he, he came in here. And the one thing I had in the beginning when I talked about it was, I didn't know if he could sit with these young guys and really have the nerve to get through some of the growing pains with mistakes of rookies now they bought lazar and Cobb in and, and hopefully that would have helped him in what he was trying to accomplish but i was always worried about that but it's, he endeared them he came in here went from his dark place to uh watching plays and going to the knicks games and everything else you know that was a total transformation of a man you know what i mean Why he did that in Green Bay, whatever it was, that was his business. I never expected to see that. But as as far as him coming back to play, evidently, he's they they talked about what they did with his uh, repair uh, was an advanced so he can come back and play earlier. Now, I don't really know what that is, okay? And even I I had an orthopedic explain it to me, and I don't understand it totally, but it is a benefit to uh playing on it and not stressing it so I, as soon as he winds up getting the flexibility back in his well 1st it he's got to repair it's got to heal you know and you figure there's going to be eight weeks for that really to heal uh, that that's it it may be six but you figure eight and then once he starts really the process of stretching it and getting back his Mobility then he can work on his strength then he can work on his movement I mean I I listen I know it's a tough injury, and I may be talking out my, you know what, but uh, I came back and played in four months in a patella tendon rupture. I I tore it right in half, and I don't know if he did that. I don't know if he did it. I don't know if he tore some of it or all of it. Mine was torn in half. They actually cut mine apart, and they, they sliced it back together like meat, and, and they sewed it. And so mine was even shortened up more than you would. And I still got the flexibility back and strength. And I worked on it day and night. That's the only thing I worked on. And, of course, this is what he has now, you know. And uh, will he come back and play this year? I don't know that. And then, you know, uh, will the Jets be in the playoffs, you know, like they were hoping to be? We don't know that either, okay? So my, my guess is you'll see him next year in camp and, and he'll be, he'll be fine in camp.
0: Definitely. And I know every Jets fan is is excited to have him back. And Joe, I, I really appreciate you taking the time in. You know, I think I speak for all Jets fans when I say that we couldn't be happier that you are finally immortalized in Canton as well <laughs> of, of all time. Thank you for joining me today.
2: Oh, my pleasure. Appreciate it. Of
0: course. And Jets fans, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Joe Klecko.